If you want to learn something new, would you rather learn it on your own from a random teacher or from folks who are the best of the best in that skill? I think I know which option most of you would choose. That's made possible by Masterclass. In recent months, they've added classes from the likes of Ava DuVernay, who gives us tips on how to reframe our thinking in all walks of life. One of our personal favorites recently was the one-on-one time we got with Amy Poehler in her class on preparing to be unprepared. So good. With Ava DuVernay. With over 180 world-class instructors and a 30-day money-back guarantee for new members, there's no reason not to get started today. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash hard things. Masterclass.com slash hard things. Birds are singing. The sun is out. Spring has sprung. Has your wardrobe followed suit? If not, you can get a refresh with Bombas my favorite brand for socks, tees, and underwear that also has an amazing mission that we support wholeheartedly. Because for every incredible comfy item that I get from Bombas, they match with a donation to someone who is unhoused. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code hard things for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash hard things and use code hard things at checkout. Hi. (laughs) Welcome back to We Can Do Hard Things. Hi. Thanks, babe. As she said. Welcome back. Shall we begin? Let us. All right. Spoiler alert. You will want to go back and listen to episode 188 and episode 189, where we interviewed Abby, part one and two, before proceeding with this, if you want to hear it first from Abby, because I'm going to ask a follow-up. So, Mm G-Bird, the... Beautiful, beautiful moment that episode 189 ended with. Abby was talking about what happened on Christmas morning, the gift that the kids gave to her. So I wondered if you could share what your side of that was, because you knew about it before it happened and like what it felt like for you in that moment. Yeah. So the gift to which you're referring is that on Christmas morning, the kids presented Abby with a letter that was from a lawyer and explained to Abby that um, it, it was a beautiful letter that explained that the kids were seeking to have Abby officially adopt them. The kids had written a list of like all the reasons why, and it ended by saying, we want you to understand that while we will be asking for you to have full parental rights, even be added to our birth certificates, we will not be cleaning the sink. <laughs> so, so just business as usual. Yeah. Yes. Like basically it was like, we're asking you to take on a lot of responsibilities, but we just want to be clear that we will be taking on no further responsibilities. 
I don't think it was we're asking you. I think this is to commemorate and to make official the responsibilities that are already existing, which is you take such good care of us and you have this internal obligation to us and we don't clean the sink. That's right. Yeah. But in yesterday's episode, you and Abby were talking about it and Abby said, thank you or something about it. And you said, I think this is actually the kid's way of saying thank you. Mm. And I was thinking about that last night. And actually, I totally understand why you said that, but actually that's not the vibe that it was at all. Mm. There was no vibe from the kids about like, this is an offering that Abby has earned and deserved. And so she's going to get it. The kids felt like, like your kids would if they began to understand that one of their parents had no legal rights to them. Mm-hmm. They were like, we have to make this right. This is, this is crazy that this isn't the case. Yeah. It was personal for them that they wanted this. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. like a duty. A while back, Abby and I, I don't know if you remember this night, but we were laying in bed and we talked a lot about the situation that a step parent who's as involved with the children as any, either of the biological parents, some have this feeling of terror. Abby had this deep feeling of like, I have nothing official with these children. I'm giving them everything. I love them more than anything. And they could be taken from me any minute. And I remember sitting with her, laying with her in bed and her saying sweetly and kindly, but like my relationship with them is completely and utterly dependent on you. Mm -hmm. Our romantic relationship determines whether I get my children or not. Like you and there's like a romantic, oh, well, of course we're going to like whatever, but that's actually not fair. Mm-hmm. It puts a whole fucking shit ton of pressure on our marriage and relationship. Right. And also like, I, I thought about it, of course, I overthought about it for six months and I thought about it from a million different angles. And there's a lot of ways to talk about it. One of which is, and this is like the sixth version, but like, that's not a good thing for our relationship either. Mm-hmm. I don't want to think you're only staying, you're only with me because you'd lose the kids if not. Right. You know, and it's just so unfair because these kids need you and want you in a way that is equal to how they need and want me and Craig. And so they wanted and needed a solidification of that just like you did. Mm -hmm. That was the vibe, not like a, she deserves this. So we'll give her like her coaching Mm -hmm. trophy. Mm -hmm. It was like a making right of something. Yeah. And so we thought about it a lot. You sister sent me like a phone number to some lawyer. I used to call the lawyer and because for a while I thought there's nothing we can do about this because there's just not a lot of legal precedent for it. We found out, God bless California, that there actually is third-party adoption that's possible and we will be entering this journey together of trying to make this so, which is so important for step families and mm-hmm. queer families to be able to say together what their family is and have it reflected legally. It's really 
really important. And for background for people who are like, whoa, I hear all the time about step-parents adopting kids. It's generally the case that in order to have a step-parent do that, you have to have one of the birth parents relinquish their parental rights. Mm -hmm. So in other words, one of them either through abandonment or through voluntarily relinquishing their rights, that is usually the case that a step-parent can be added. And what they're doing here is maintaining the two birth parental rights and adding a third. Right. And so the idea is like a lot of these rules are made for tragic situations or like Mm -hmm. painful situations, divorce, abandonment. Can we also use it for like loving expansion? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If we can do these things for the opposite, can we do it when a family is expanding out of love? And so speaking of not this situation in particular without abandoning either of the biological parents' rights. So I went to talk to Craig about this like months and months before Christmas. And I was a little bit nervous. I mean, I know (laughs) that Craig is the most generous. Craig understands our family. It's not like he doesn't understand that Mm -hmm. how the three of us are co-parenting, but it's just such a dramatic thing to like, like, we're going to add someone to their birth certificates who will have equivalent rights as you. If you have a pie, like, why are you going to cut it up if you don't have to in three ways? I mean, technically, it's not equivalent rights. It's like you now lessened your 50% right to 33.3%. If this was was, uh, a voting board, (laughs) the weight of your vote. has has gone down. Yeah. If you have the capacity to feel threatened and insecure in your position, this idea would certainly activate that. Yeah. Yeah, And it's not even just feeling, it's real. You don't have to feel insecure to understand that factually and mathematically you will have less. And also he can't control our relationship. So what you're saying, Glennon, is if you and Abby get divorced and I get a third of the time with my kids and there's nothing Mm -hmm. I can do with that relationship to save it, right? It's just, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. So I do my breathing and like get all of my ideas and my get myself in like a low nervous system place. And <laughs> so after that six months of preparing, oh, yeah. for real, <laughs> for real. And then I say, so Craig, and I say my first sentence, we're thinking about entering a journey where Abby might be able to adopt the children without us giving away any. And he goes, oh yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Yes. Abby's family. And it should be in paper on paper. It's amazing. And I had 17 more paragraphs, but here's the amazing part. He said that in my, my immediate reaction was, um, just slow down, dude. <laughs> what You're the like, fuck? Are you reckless? Like, what? Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me. This is what I'm saying. We have a pie. Let me tell okay? you the 12 things you need to be afraid about, and then let me assuage your fears. God, you can't just come out I and can't with me. Stand it when people are not scared. Do I have to do all the scared? I have to do all the scared. But. It was so interesting to me because I was like, oh, you're scared. Like, you're scared. Yeah, you yourself, Glennon, are scared. I'm scared. Nobody else was scared. I was 
driving the train, you know, helping the children can have all the desires they want. They're not doing paperwork. So like- No, not doing the dishes, not doing Not paperwork. doing the sink. And so what I realized after that first conversation with Craig was, oh, this is you, Glennon, loosening your grip on your two most precious things, mm-hmm. which are your children and your control. <laughs> not what I thought you were going to say. That's right. And like when your two favorite things are mixed together, children and control. So to me, it felt like way more of a leap of love, faith and commitment Mm -hmm. than way more than the wedding. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Way more than the wedding, 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 willy nilly, like whatever, (laughs) you know, like, but adopting the children, but it was like knowing that all I would be doing if I didn't do this is just not reflecting accurately what already existed. Yeah. I wasn't doing anything. I would just be pretending that the thing wasn't happening that was happening, which is that Abby is just as much as their mother as I am. And in the moment when I was listening to the kids read the letter and then I opened the letter from the lawyers, of course, I immediately burst into the kind of cry. Like, I don't know. It was like a primal cry and I'm hugging the kids. And then on your knees, you're like, you you turned into like fetal position on the floor. Yeah. And, and as I'm hugging the kids, I realize, oh my gosh, Craig had to agree to this. Mm. So then I turn and Glennon is sitting right beside me. Craig is sitting next to her and I just like let go of the kids and I grab both Glennon and Craig and I just like wail into both of their arms. And Craig was crying. We all were crying. Kids were crying. crying. <laughs> Sister was crying. John was crying. John was crying with a little bit of fear in his eyes because he had been given the job to video it by sister. And you can imagine how terrified he was. <laughs> Don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> Bubba and Tisha were crying. We've had a lot of beautiful Christmas moments and it was for me was the most beautiful Christmas moment. What was your take, sissy? That morning. It was just such an honor to be there for it. I was so thankful that you all chose to do it in that moment so that we could be witness to it. It's rare in life that you know in the moment that something is magical and pivotal and one of the most special things you'll see Mm -hmm. in the moment itself. It was just overflowing joy, gratitude. Mm -hmm. I loved the way the kids were so light about it too. It was clearly such a profound moment, but they were just happy and laughing and smiling. And it felt like just a celebration of what is rather than this remarkable, oh, we're going to go do this thing that's monumental. It just felt like an acknowledgement of how truly remarkable it already is. I think legally speaking, just to be very, very clear to cover all of our bases, The letter from the lawyer, it was kind of cute and funny because Glennon was approached, approached the lawyer on, on my behalf, because I'm the one that has to seek adoption. Right. And so this was 
all as because it was going to be a surprise for Christmas, etc. The lawyer said, assuming you agree to <laughs> assuming the Glennon possibility. Surprise! You Glennon just children. swears. Glennon yeah. swears you want this, but I don't know. And by the way, it's gonna it's gonna be a process. We have to go through the legal proceeding of it, but the the unveiling of it was just absolutely the most special moment of my entire existence on this mm. planet in this body. It was like a wedding, like a really good wedding when you, yeah. because it was a family sacrament moment, like really yes. sacrament, meaning like a moment where you're ritualizing or making visible something that is already exists, but is invisible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what sacrament is, right? It's like, mm-hmm. we're seeing it happen. What we've all known is true. There's because there was no forcing of it. There was no faking. It was just so obvious that this should be happening. And the fact that it became real Oh, I just thinking of it's the opposite of what, you know, when Abby was talking about in her first marriage, how it was like something was missing before they got married. So it was like, okay, well, we'll insert this officialness Mm -hmm. and then that'll supply the thing that's missing. It was the opposite of that. It was like nothing is missing except the official acknowledgement that nothing is missing. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's so weird because as a queer person who's been living in a world who had lived in a world where I couldn't get married, I didn't have many rights. This was just something I accepted as the way things are. Mm. I guess I probably didn't fully understand the trauma that's involved with knowing and having to accept the way things are. And what that means is you have less rights Yeah, that you have less solid ground to live on. I think anybody that has ever been in that position, any step parent out there or any bonus parent or any queer person who has lived through the decades that I've lived through, I think it's really important that not I do this or I get to do this, that like we can set a precedent for this positive union and solidification of a family so that other families out there might have this chance of not just accepting quote unquote, what is already. That's so beautiful. And to like what you're saying too, one of the reasons it feels so important is that our kids aren't all straight. Mm -hmm. And so to not have their parents be able to be reflected accurately and equally due to queerness, Mm -hmm. like is hurtful for them picturing their future selves and what they deserve and what they seeing their future families reflected legally and equally. Yeah. And the likeliness that maybe their family ends up looking like our family someday in their future, the statistics of the divorce and how their families will look. We want to make sure that we're building those foundational blocks now so that they can step into whatever family they need to. Yeah. And it's not the truth that step parents need to always be second class citizens. It's not true. That does not have to be the case. And and it's complicated, but especially in a family where everyone is saying, this person is an equal parent and we all agree and we are a united front and we want to see our family reflected the way that we feel it and experience it legally. Yeah. No one should stand in the way of that. Totally. how delicately you hold your baby 
you dress your baby and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddler's in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets it's match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Single-handedly impacting our environment for the better, that's a daunting task. But it's possible, and there are incredible people who are living proof that setting your mind to something and really being passionate about it will bring about change. The Goldman Environmental Prize is the world's foremost award honoring grassroots environmental activists. Each year, the prize honors six ordinary people who are making an extraordinary impact for the planet. If you look at this year's winners, you'll learn about Marcel Gomez, who exposed the links between a company's meatpacking practices and illegal deforestation, which led to a major boycott of that company's products. Amazing. You'll learn about Andrea Vidalre, whose relentless leadership resulted in California adopting its most ambitious emissions reduction regulations in history. And there are more amazing stories to discover. I can't imagine stories more important than these. Find the stories of this year's prize winners at goldmanprize.org. I think what you said, Abby just now about the trauma of growing up and knowing that this is just how it might be for you as a queer person, that your relationships and connections would have a kind of official precariousness. Yeah. And you called that a trauma. It just got my head spinning because when I think about so much of the the drive for marriage equality was not about so you could have this stamp of what is a heteronormative rite of passage. It was so you didn't have to live in a precarious world in which it depended on who the nurse was on staff as to whether you could visit your partner in the hospital or be by their side when they died or be able to make medical decisions for your children. All of these things are, it's not a cutesy stamp. It is putting you in a place that isn't precarious. And we've been talking over and over in this podcast about attachment and the marker of attachment is secure bonds and connections. And when we put mm -hmm. folks in a position to grow up in a society where their bonds are necessarily insecure exactly, because they can't rely on them in an official space mm -hmm. to act in a way that honors and reflects their relationship, 
then of course that kind of insecurity is a trauma mm-hmm. and affects their relationship mm-hmm. because it's a, lo- a feedback loop. It's like if our kids know in their bones, they're brilliant humans, that their relationship with their parent, with Abby, is completely predicated on me and whether I stay in this relationship or not. They know that. Like, mm-hmm. they are they then protecting themselves a little bit? Is it yep. is it detrimental to their actual bond with their yep. parent? And that answer is, of course, yes, mm-hmm. especially children who have gone through a divorce already. Yep. 50% of all children. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And also, just speaking from the person, me, being in this situation, it makes me feel shitty about myself deep, deep down. Subconsciously, yep. it's like, I'm not good enough. And that is how so many of us in the queer community have felt for all of our life. Mm -hmm. And so these are the kind of things that can establish. I know that it might sound weird because I've been fighting against, oh, well, legally speaking, it doesn't matter. I still love myself. All of that. Like, that's the Mm -hmm. conversation I have. And so I think it is important so that we feel relevant and real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like this Mm -hmm. thing Really, I mean, the Dr. Becky episodes, it brings it up very, very important. It's like huge. This makes me feel real. Mm. Are you real? Are you safe? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is what we need. I mean, all all the rainbow flags are great and all of the gay days are great and all of the marches are great, but we need laws that make life less precarious. Yeah. And- We want our children to see that happen so that they don't grow up with the feeling of being a second-class citizen, a feeling that all of their love will be precarious and that they will just be lucky to be included. Yeah. It's fascinating. And I'm curious how many folks are staying in relationships they shouldn't be in because they know that if they are to leave that relationship, their relationship with their stepchildren will radically and dramatically change. Yeah. Man, stepparents are just a class of unprotected citizens, man. <laughs> oh, and speaking of this on the, the floor, everyone bawling together, tell tell the pod squad who you called right after that moment when we all got our shit together. Well, luckily, John is... Still married to Amanda because he took good video. <laughs> he did take the video. Man. So I got all the, the video and the pictures and I sent them to my mom and I called her. And it's going to make me cry again. <laughs> Fuck. It's just like, you know, like when you're a little gay kid and you tell your parent that you're gay and they're like, no. And I know that so much of it's wrapped up in not having a traditional family for my mom mm. because kids were so, um, I mean, they just ruled her life. And that is, I think what her idea of love is, is just to keep having babies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, I think I've carried that fear with me. Um, I virtually every second of my existence, like I'm not going to have a traditional family and it's much more difficult to have children when you're a gay woman and all of that. 
and my mom loves our our kids and loves Glennon and loves the life that we've built for with each other. But this is like still, I think, probably one of the things. So when I called and told her about it, I was completely a wreck and she starts crying and she's just like, oh, this is so, you know, because being the person who has lived through so much of the hard times with my mom, um, you know, she said like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get official grandbabies. You know, she still puts them in the count when she talks about it, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's like when, when you have kids, you want them to experience all the love and joy that you've been able to create yourself. And I think that this kind of officialness and the the beautiful moment that the kids showed and how much she respects Craig and Glennon for what she knows is kind of giving up some parental rights. It was a profound moment. And um, I think that there was a little bit of like relief of course. In, in her and also in me because it was like, Mom, I know that you had these big fears about the life I was going to live. And here I am telling you and showing you that they were just fears. Mm -hmm. I'm here like living out my dreams. And also I'm here living out your dreams for me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was. uh, It was something I tell you what. I kept thinking when I, I, cause I came down and you both were just bawling on FaceTime. I was like, well, we're going to do this again. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) But I kept thinking, oh, she's less scared. Yeah. Like what you said, because Mm -hmm. everybody probably is protecting themselves a little bit. Yes. Like she can't love those grandbabies as much. Yeah. She can't let herself. Yeah. But now she can. Yeah. Oh, Judy Wambach, you just kill us, Judy. Making a comeback, like just a full circle, (laughs) Judester. Judester. Hey, Jude, (laughs) take a sad song. All right, Pod Squad, we love you. Of course, we will take you along on this journey, whether you like it or not. I'm glad that we were able to like get into the nooks and crannies of this story. I know I may have like sped through it a little bit on the prior podcast. So I'm glad that we were able to talk about what really happened. And you're such a good mama, not for nothing, but I'm the logistic paperwork person in this family and having to fucking get you to sign shit. I know. Do you know, I did all that by myself for the first two months. So hard to get you to sit down and sign all the kids paperwork. And And what do you say whenever you give me a piece of paper to sign? Sign Glennon Doyle. Every time she goes Glennon Doyle. Because I look at her like, what? Glennon Doyle. <laughs> oh, so you're saying that this will be such a an ease burden because now you'll be able to sign everything yes. without giving yes. it to Glennon and reminding her of her name. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, once, yeah, once a week, once a week, a child has something yeah. that needs to get signed and it's a big pain in the ass. And uh, shout out to all the step parents out there who are mm-hmm. the kind of organizers of paperwork in the family. Shout out to you. We're trying to make it easier for you to maybe one day sign your own damn name and not have to say Glennon Doyle. 
<laughs> yeah, and that's insulting too. You're like, I take care of all this stuff. I'm the one driving them over there, and I can't sign the piece. But no that's shit. how I feel when I file my taxes. I do all the work. I know all the details. Send it over to the accountant. They're like, please have your husband sign this as a taxpayer. I'm like, my husband doesn't know where our money is. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I not the taxpayer? First of all, that's horseshit. Yes, it is. Second of all, this is the little daily indignities. Yep. Yeah. It's every day, little death by a thousand cuts. Little microaggression that I'm like, motherfucker. With that, (laughs) we will leave you with motherfucker. Okay. (laughs) Um, We love you, Pod Squad. Catch you next time. Have a good weekend. Love you guys. Thanks for doing this for me. If this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to us if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to do each or all of these three things. First, can you please follow or subscribe to We Can Do Hard Things? Following the pod helps you because you'll never miss an episode and it helps us because you'll never miss an episode. To do this, just go to the We Can Do Hard Things show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. This is the most important thing for the pod. While you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share an episode you loved with a friend, we would be so grateful. We appreciate you very much. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. 